This is Regin's Travels Podcast. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to Regin's Travels Podcast. This is your host, Regin. And today, joining us is Lois Yasai Ribeiro. Tama ba yung pagka-pronounce ko? Ribeiro. Lois Yasai Ribeiro. She is a former travel blogger, a surfer, a writer, a woman full of passion. In 2011, she quit her corporate job to travel full-time together with her colleague. They ended up traveling extensively in India and Southeast Asia for six months while running the then travel blog, We Are Soul Sisters. Lois, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Regine. Finally, for speaking. Yes. <laughs> you know, face-to-face. Face-to-face. It's like, I remember, I remember seeing your your travel blog for the first time way back in 2011 so that was 10 oh, years ago years feels wow. like a past life yeah but yeah. It's, and it feels so fast as well you know it seems like just yesterday when i when i stumbled upon your blog but that was think about it that was already 10 years yeah that's been it's been a while yeah so many things have changed <laughs> right so what are you up to how are you there in portugal um well it's starting to be sunny here starting summer is starting i've actually always been like moving back and forth between between france and portugal so now i'm kind of feeling like this is you know a good place for us as a family since i already have a family i have a daughter now and uh i think with covid like things have been a bit slower you know making plans making um Make, coming up with ideas for a business or even like taking further studies they've been you know a bit slow in the making so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of my recap of my life here in Portugal. <laughs> yeah it's really good seeing you settle down you know in in another country and with your mm-hmm. daughter and your husband and I saw your pictures you're so you're so still still that passionate woman but this time settled and still doing your passions like surfing and writing yeah yeah um yeah during the pandemic at least we, we were able to surf we're not very far from the beach which is wonderful i think we moved to portugal mainly for that um i, I used to surf a lot in the philippines so that's why you know it's wonderful to be still close to the beach <laughs> yeah. where in the philippines do you surf though I started surfing in um, Zambales. Are you familiar with that place? Oh, there's a surfing area there. I didn't know. It's quite getting uh, popular now. But then I moved to Baler. Actually, that's already after I did the six-month backpacking trip all over Southeast Asia. Yeah. And I decided to move to Baler. I think I lived there for about a year. I was uh, managing a guest house of a friend there. So... You know, after quitting your corporate life, you have to kind of assess like, am I gonna go back to being in the office, or I'm just am I just gonna you know, <laughs> live the kind of life I really want? So that's right. I had to make. Popular nowadays in the Philippines in terms of surfing is Shargao. Were you able to surf there as well? Yeah, me and my husband. Um, you know, we weren't married at that time. We spent around a month or two in Shargao was really uh, a really wonderful you know memory we we surf almost every day and i think shargao from what i've seen recently it's really coming up like 
so many places are opening. A lot of people are actually moving there from Manila. Right, I don't know right. if you've heard of that. So I think especially with COVID, people are starting to realize like they would rather not be living in the city anymore. Yeah, and I heard there's there's a lot of celebrities as well who are actually moving there and focusing on just vlogging, you know, that kind of Yeah, uh, I think you're talking about Andy Eigenman, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think she first was in Baler and then she moved to Shargao. I think, I mm. think she's now with a guy who's from Shargao. And it's a great place to to have a family as well. You know, you're out of the city, you have more space. Like uh, a lot of people realize, you know, living in an apartment isn't really all that that um, that good. You know, especially when you have to stay indoors during the lockdown. I don't, I don't know. Is it still lockdown there in in the Philippines? No, it's Or, not anymore. But some some province, some cities, they're still. I know a lot of term. I, I'm not even sure of the term anymore. Like ECQ or uh, I don't know, like MECQ. Yeah, community <laughs> quarantine basically. So it's not yet totally free, but at the same time, it's not locked down anymore. Oh, that's great. That's really mm. good. So you in 2011, you you quit your job and traveled full time. What made you decide to do this major, this major decision of yours? Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, I was working at, uh, in training and development for a bank and I really enjoyed my job. I, I was also like speaking with people face to face, you know, there was a lot of interaction and career wise, I think I was in, in a good path, but um, I think I, there was something inside of me that really needed to see more of the world. You probably could relate to this <laughs> with your, you know, around the world travel. And I guess that kind, that thing inside of you just keeps on nagging you <laughs> until you you have to kind of take the leap, right? Yeah. Did you feel the same as well when you when you did your, your trip? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And one of the things that influenced me to do that as well, because I actually quit my job as well when I've been oh, doing this, this round the world trip. Yeah, I quit my job because I can I couldn't find the time to do long term travel, obviously, and working in a school. So I, I also quit my job. And one of the one of the influencers or one of those who influenced me to do this, there are lots of you know factors, but you're one of those. Like um, you and Chi Chi, we are Soul Sisters vlog, and especially during the time I remember 2011. I was still working in Thailand, and that was the time where I think that the travel bug caught me. You know, I was so into travel, passionate about traveling. That was the start of, especially the backpacking style of travel. And yeah. I remember working in a school, and during my break, I'm supposed to kind of like, for example, check test papers, kind of stuff, or prepare for the next lesson. But ended up browsing my laptop and looking at your your photos I because can't relate to that. <laughs> during the time you were you were traveling, you were on the road. Okay. You and your your colleague Chichi and I was like, oh, I was so jealous, and you were so vocal about quitting your job to to travel and finding your passion, doing what you love, and I told myself that someday I'm gonna do it as well, but I just I just didn't have the courage to do it, you know, like coming from our background in the Philippines, especially, and finally was able to do it in 2019. Wow! So I also quit my job to. To travel the world, but in your case, 
like it's it's a major decision, especially like what I've said for us Filipinos, you know. Yes. Because yes. a lot of nationalities do it, I'd say naturally, like it's normal for them. For example, European countries, they even have a gap here, like the yeah. the, the ones from the UK or from Australia. But for us, like we are we are conditioned to to study hard and then after graduation find a good paying job and and get settled or have a secure kind of job so that is a major decision especially in the philippines so what was the reaction of the ones closest to you well of course the first people who um showed you know uh, surprise and very you know they were very concerned were my parents and yeah. you know that's, that's the first thing they asked like why are you doing this? Aren't you afraid? Um, at that time, of course, I, I didn't have a child yet. So now thinking of back to that now, having a child, the first thing you are concerned with is their safety, right? Because right. when you're traveling, it's really, that's the unknown. Like so many things can just happen to you. And I think it's also about being a woman. I think if I I were not I mean if I were a man my parents would probably be like yeah go sure <laughs> you know <laughs> there there's probably less risk unfortunately that that is the case especially since one of the countries we went to or, were like we went to India we went to a lot of lesser known countries like Laos so there was definitely a main concern about safety and also uh, like what are you doing with your life basically. Exactly. Like if you're on this track and then you're just off track with just one decision. So, so yeah, I think I was already very uh, determined to, to do the trip when I spoke with my parents. You know what I mean? Before, um, I was very prepared to tell them, you know, I already bought the tickets. So there was really no going back. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whatever they would have said, I... I already had everything planned. I had my route. I had my tickets. I already saved the money for for the trip. So it was pretty much set. I just needed to have their blessing. Right. So you mentioned you have this passion for travel. You want to see the world out there. But then that was a major decision of yours. Did someone influence you to do this? Or maybe a movie or a documentary? Or like, where did it really come from deep down? I think it was it came from uh, before I did that backpacking trip. I actually lived in the U.S. for one year, and I I was working in New York. And in New York, I would meet so many travelers. They would either start their trip there or end their trip there. And so this was my first um, initiation to like talking about places in Southeast Asia, which is quite um, amazing to think that I didn't know about. Myanmar, I didn't know about Laos until I actually went to the US. Mm. I, I never learned about these countries in school, you know what I mean? So I I was talking, you know, I was talking to a lot of travelers and they were talking about how you can actually travel for cheap. And that was the first time I thought, wow, this is something I can actually do for myself. Right? Because as Filipinos, I, I don't know if you can relate to this, but we're not really um, we're not really taught that that we should just, you know, save money and travel. Am I right? We were doing mostly holidays, right? We would do like a one-week holiday somewhere. 
Def definitely, definitely. That's why it's so unheard of, especially during that time, 2000, that, that was 10 years ago. Now it's a bit changing because of maybe the influence of social media and all that stuff, the internet. But back then, 2011, that, that was so unheard of for, for us Filipinos. We're more of, of a vacation type of, of culture, you know, yeah. like short holidays, usually Singapore, Hong Kong, or the US. But then what you did was was unheard of. And, and you because you wrote about it, so during that time, it, it became really viral. Yeah, it's, it's funny because now it's nothing new. I, I'm so glad that so many Filipinos are traveling. And even while I was in France or even here in Portugal, I've met a lot of Filipinos traveling and they are also exploring lesser known countries and, you know, like doing even backpacking, which is so unheard of 10 mm -hmm. years ago. Right, I'm right. I'm really happy to, to see that. Yeah, prior to this podcast, I was talking to one of the travel bloggers as well, Lindsay Cabildo. In, okay. in, in 2010, when I first got into the backpacking culture, I started searching for Filipino backpackers on the internet because I haven't seen a single backpacker on the, on the backpacker trail in Southeast Asia. So I searched on the internet and I saw her blog post, which, sa which says, Filipino backpackers, where art thou? So this wow. was in 2000 and 2010, 2011, so, somewhere. And in nowadays, it's, it's really changing. If you go backpacking, you can see at least one or two back Filipino backpackers on the road. Yeah, I think, I think it has changed so much. Um, it's kind of also a way of uh, curiosity because I think Filipinos before we were really more of looking for the luxury travel or be, you know being comfortable i guess like really staying in hotels um but now i think we are getting out of that comfort zone we're really uh, i mean even just having putting a backpack on you know how i it feels right it's really heavy yeah. you have to carry it a few hours per day and, and i'm so glad that mo more and more filipinos or even asians actually are, are really doing that and especially traveling to Europe or even traveling to actually I, I wish I made it to Latin America but you know that was supposed to be next and I, I actually didn't make it there <laughs> you, you have been to a few countries right in Latin America yeah just a few countries okay how was that oh it's amazing I really want to go back because the thing is when, when I was when I was planning my trip I really didn't plan it that well it was a, kind of like a spur of the moment I didn't really expect to have an around the world trip during that time I had this lo long time I had this plan long time ago but I didn't expect I was gonna, I'm gonna do it that year it was just it was just very very random I was just kind of like burnt out on the job and I, I was like okay I have to do this before I get married you know because when I have kids in the future it's gonna be more difficult it has been an <laughs> It has been an ongoing debate ever since, you know, if, ever since I had this plan, I was like, should I do, do this? Because like, like what you said, it's, it's a huge decision to just quit your job. And especially if you, if you have a job that you really like and, and the pay is good, it's quite hard to let go of that. But then I was thinking, if I'm not going to do it now, then it's going to be more difficult in the future, especially, you know, if you're settled and have kids. So I just did it. And the planning wasn't that good so i ended up just staying for a few days or yeah, a few days in south america so but the plan was after the around the world trip i want to go back to brazil because i missed the crisis christ the redeemer can you imagine that was one of the the main purpose of going there 
but I missed it because I just have one day in Rio de Janeiro. So I plan to go back, but then COVID happened. You have to travel to see that? Like, you, you can't just like, isn't it in, in that city where you land there? Yeah, and... right. It's in, in that city, but the thing is, I only have one day for for Brazil because of the planning. It was it was not good. And my ATM didn't work during that time. So I wasn't able to withdraw money from, from the ATM machine. And my money was just enough. My cash was just enough for airport transfer and food. Yeah. So I was like, no chance to go there. It was it was one of the disappointments. So I, I plan to go back, but then COVID happened. Ah, uh, that's very unfortunate. Actually, since you've mentioned Brazil, after living in Portugal for a few years, I really want to go there. Um, especially since I can now somehow, you know, have a conversation in Portuguese. And also, like, there's so many ties to the culture, you know, that it was a former um, Portuguese colony. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of Brazilians living here. I've tried a lot of their food. Um, and it's, it's really a place that I, I want to visit one day. Yeah, yeah. South America, definitely. And yeah. one of the things is the language is so... It's interesting to just hear Spanish everywhere, you know. Ah, yeah, and yeah. there, there's some similar Filipino words. So like, yeah. wow, that's one of the the interest there. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was just in Spain, um, I think a few weeks ago, and it's it's really amazing because Filipinos can understand Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it's there's some, especially if you know Tagalog and Bisaya, which I I speak. Mm -hmm. There's so many words that are the same. The, the similar, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just like funny when you go from because I, I we went from we drove from Portugal to Spain and then you go there and you just land in that country and you're like oh I can actually understand what they're saying and I can understand the signs everywhere. Wow. So I think that's a privilege for us as well. How long have you been there in Portugal already? I think you moved in 2000 in if I'm mistaken 2015 uh 2014 so 2014. all altogether i would already be here um maybe six years but it's just that we moved back and forth um between france and portugal mm. so on this particular move like we've actually stayed here it's already been three years which is enough for me to learn the language enough for me to somehow make some contacts and wow. you know have a semblance a semblance of home <laughs> because i used to just like have this one piece of luggage and I would just go back and forth, you know, from Portugal and France. But as you can see, you know, it, it's, it feels more like home now. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, Port I really want to visit Portugal. I I've been there, but just at the airport, Lisbon. Oh, in Lisbon, you didn't even get it out? <laughs> just for a layover. Oh, that's too bad. Well, hopefully after COVID. Yeah, but one of my, one of my uh, major travel projects as well after this around the world is because I love trains. I want to. I plan to take the the longest train route. Oh wow, it's amazing! Get, guess from which country? Is is that the one from Russia to Asia or something like that? No, no, no not really. It, it's, it's that's part of it, but it okay. actually starts from Saigon. Can you imagine Saigon in Vietnam? To Europe, going all the way to Porto. No, like I, I actually this, read about that. Right, it's the it's longest, a, yeah, it is the longest, the longest connected railway in the world. Right, right. so That's <laughs> that was okay. a plan. Once you do that, I'll welcome you to Porto. I'll have yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> a welcoming party for you. 
That's going to be amazing. Imagine like passing by Europe and China, Mongolia, Russia, that, Southeast Asia. That's, so That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's also great to actually um, be here as a Filipino in Portugal because, you know, we don't, we don't realize it, but there's so many similarities. Um, the Filipinos have to the Portuguese. Well, really? first of all, you knew you probably knew that Magellan was Portuguese, right? Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. At least you knew that. But <laughs> for example, uh, Portuguese people eat a lot of rice, which is not wow. as common. Uh, like they basically eat it with every meal, which is not the same as in yeah, any in, in, other European, European country. Right. Because if That's you go to Spain, you don't. They don't even eat rice that much no, unless no. you're eating paella. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's one. Of course, they eat a lot of meat, they eat a lot of pork, they're Catholic, you know, very Catholic, very religious, very family oriented. So actually, Filipinos will feel right at home. Wow. Yeah. I remember when I was in Spain, we were there for 10 days for a concert tour by choir before. And our host family didn't serve rice at all for 10 days. <laughs> and this was during when I was still my first time traveling to Europe. So I wasn't yet used to not eating rice mm -hmm. and imagine 10 days without rice. So we were, we were, we were so, we felt weak because for us in the Philippines, if you don't eat rice, it's just like a snack, right? And I wasn't yet uh, used to having that kind of lifestyle. So we always say, arroz, arroz, mas arroz, something like that. <laughs> that's interesting. In Portugal, Probably we eat a lot like, of rice. Why are you asking for arroz? You know, that's, there's no paella. Like, yeah. <laughs> only dish. Mainly that they eat with arroz. And the only time we had rice was like what you've said when they served paella. And yeah, that was quite a sacrifice back then. But now I'm used to it, you know, living in China. Sorry, you're used to? Not having rice, like not really eating rice for meals. All right. So when you were about to quit your job in 2011, you know, it's like what I've said, it's a major decision. What, what are those hesitations or do you have any hesitations or am I, am I really going to do this or not you know it's it's a you're like what you've said you're enjoying your job in manila and the pace is good so what were those hesitations or maybe are there some hesitations in doing this i think the biggest challenge would be the financial side of it because even though i've saved money um me and my friend have saved money but how long is that going to last you really right so that was always the question and of course everything has to end there there has to be you know that last flight back home so what are you going to do after that wow that's always that's always the the question so i think it was more of just accepting that that it is a very very big risk like somehow you could you could think it's a career what do you call that? Like career suicide? I don't know if you're even allowed to say that you're basically destroying your career. Right. Because what kind of employer would accept you for for a job after seeing your, your resume, you know, not doing anything for months? And they're going to be like, what, what did you do in this period? And so you're just going to tell me, I basically just traveled for, you know, traveled the world, like what you did. I don't know how, how you did, how, how you got over that how you overcame that actually but do you have plans like after this trip do you have do you had plans of kind of like a plan b or okay mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna travel i'm gonna enjoy but after that i'm gonna go back and what's next do, do you have like a plan in mind after that no. or are you just like okay just just leave my job and 
let's just face whatever happens kind of kind of that thing yeah it was exactly like that there was no plan b there was no backup wow and yeah i think because if you're i was i was 29 at that time and i was really just living my life for myself and I, it's it's wonderful to have done that you know <laughs> to be able to to do that with no responsibility of course at that time so so yeah i i think after i came back um the funny thing is i had to actually like go for job interviews within like a month or two coming back from from that southeast asia trip and i was like what am i going to wear as like this low this low tubing t-shirt or these shorts t-shirt and <laughs> pants because because we basically sold everything we owned and that that was all that we had on our backpack so coming right. back to the philippines um yeah it, it was a new life wow and you wrote on your blog as well you said this is what i believe don't be afraid that something happens to you be afraid that nothing happens to you and then he said nothing noteworthy or exciting or breathtaking i'm more afraid of a life where nothing extraordinary ever happens i am more afraid of putting my dreams on a shelf and later realizing that i'm too jaded or too tired to live them <laughs> wow me a bit serious <laughs> it's it's amazing to hear that being read back to you It's it's almost like I'm I, I heard that from my former self <laughs> from from ten, from a decade ago. <laughs> right, that was ten years ago. So what are, what are your thoughts regarding when when you wrote this one and now ten years have passed and life has changed? What are your thoughts on this? If I were speaking to my former self, I would say, "Well done." You know, <laughs> like I'm so glad you did that. I'm so happy that I took that chance to to really. see the world and and you know that that would probably be the only time in my life where i had full control of of everything of myself of everything that happened to my day um there's so much freedom in being able to do that especially now <laughs> since i have a family i'm not saying you know it's the end of <laughs> end of the world but but realistically having a family having a child Uh, that's a really, it's a really big responsibility. I have to admit that uh, it's it's a choice. You know, there are places you can't go anymore. There are trips you can't do anymore. There's a lot of things you can't do um, just because you're already thinking of other people. So I'm yeah. glad to have done that 10 years ago. <laughs> well, that's really good to hear that you don't have any regrets of doing it in spite of, you know, not having a... Uh, a secure job or in having a, a monthly paycheck for months but you don't have any regrets and you said that you were 29 when you did it in fact i i've read a lot of advice from from people who was able to do it as well that they say in your 20s don't save because it's like a contrary to what we were conditioned to do as filipinos like study study hard graduate get a nice paying job and save and save and save so that when you retire you can travel or you can basically i don't know like enjoy your retirement but then there are lots of advice as well out there that says in your 20s do not save but enjoy or do do the things that you love like travel find your passion and then 
save later on because during this this period of your life you have the energy and and time passes and it does not return so while you still have the time and the energy then do the things that you love because if you say for example you don't have anything left to to do those things right so and you said you were 29 when you, when you when you did this and you're happy that you did it yeah there's that's two different um ways of seeing it i i guess but i i would totally agree that our our health um our vitality uh our energy it's it's really um it's not gonna go on forever and when you're able to travel when you're able to do a lot of things like even physically i think it's it's really the time to do that in your in your prime you know those prime years mm -hmm. because that that in itself you, you know your age your that in itself is a resource mm. it's it it's it gets depleted eventually right, right. you don't feel as energetic as you were when you <laughs> it's not renew it's not renewable energy uh, <laughs> exactly yeah and when i was deciding to quit my job as well mm -hmm. yeah i was working in china i got a the job was good the pay was good the compensation the perks and everything but when i was debating whether to quit my job or not one of the things that really triggered or sparked that told myself okay i'm gonna book this is i i i saw this quote that says travel because money returns but time does not so it's usually it's it's a kind of like a debate between time and money so i was like okay so time yeah. passes uh time does not return but money returns but time does not so i was like okay i'll i'll do it now while i'm still at this age and i still have the energy yeah that's a great that's a great realization because before covid actually hit as well i was saving money and i was thinking you know i'm saving this money i'm gonna do uh, more traveling I, there's a lot of countries i still want to visit in europe um like i've never even been to austria I, i've never been to like all those uh, all this like even romania i've always wanted to go to romania so because in europe the cool thing in europe is that there's really a lot of flights that are not that expensive and you can travel to a lot there's so many options right Ryanair <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and there when I was living in France we were not far from Paris and Paris has so many routes really cheap routes like I, I used to travel a lot like just for the weekend to Morocco I would go to Croatia that was when I, I had I was working but because I was saving this money and then suddenly COVID and we're not traveling already for I, I haven't traveled for years actually I mean, apart from driving to Spain, which is not that far from us. Yeah. Right, right. So that, that's exactly the point that like you never know what might happen. So you have the time, you have the energy. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna lose some money, you're gonna spend money, but at the same time, you can always, you can always earn that, you know? You can always yeah, earn that. Yeah, the caveat to that though is I really won't, um, advise people to go beyond their means like sure you know um spend money travel do whatever you can but sometimes sometimes we go to people's go to a certain extent when they really have to like borrow money or you know um even put it on their credit card to travel and i think that's also something we have to think about like don't go broke right right <laughs> exactly exactly that that's a good that's a good advice there and i'm glad that you also mentioned that one because 
like maybe people will think, okay, Lois did it. I'll just, I'm just going to quit my job as well. But I think you have to prepare for this as well, for this major decision, probably have enough savings. You know, enough is relative, but at least you have, you should have enough savings to kind of sustain you for yeah. a few months. Yeah, exactly. And, and also a, a buffer as well. Like you need to have a certain percentage of your savings where you say, you know, I'm not going to touch this money because when I have to go back, at least I have a little bit of funds to start again. Looking back at that epic backpacking trip in you know, six months in Southeast Asia, and, and personally, Southeast Asia is one of my favorite travel destinations, especially in terms of backpacking, you know, the banana pancake trail, the yeah. well-trodden uh, trail in Southeast Asia. So looking back at your trip, six months, that was long. So what were the memorable moments and how, how do you feel when you were doing that trip? Wow. Um, <laughs> there were so many memorable moments, but I think one of the countries I really liked uh, was Myanmar. I don't know if you, did you visit Myanmar? I visited Myanmar when they just opened, but you visited it before they even opened. Yeah, yeah, before they even opened, which made the, the experience extra special because we were surprised that they actually granted us visas. And right, right. we were travel bloggers, so actually we were not even supposed to enter uh, Myanmar at that time. They were um, not open to any journalists or any um, people who would report on what's mm. going on in that country because it was still closed. But, you know, we met a few backpackers, we traveled as a group, and we didn't feel unsafe, even though at that time, Myanmar was still, uh, from the news, of course, there were still some bombings, there was a lot of civil unrest, which is happening again, as you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right now, <laughs> yeah, the, the military seized control again of the country. So at that time, they were still starting to, to work towards dem democracy. And it was amazing because they were just the nicest people I've seen. Uh, the landscape, like so much poverty, but like golden pagodas everywhere. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was uh, really quite a unique experience. Yeah, I visited so, Myanmar in 2012 as well. And I think that was the year when they first opened because you went in 2011. So although they already opened, but at the same time, they, they just opened. So I still kind of like felt the, you know, like the Myanmar of old, like isolated from the outside world. But then in 2017, I visited again. And, oh. and the change was like, it's like, a, it's like a new country. So I'm just I, glad I was able to do it in 2012. It's like, it's kind of sad at the same time, you know, mixed feelings because they're improving in a way, but I miss the old Myanmar where it's, it's so untouched and, and raw. But now it's kind of like Thailand is touristy and there are even scammers nowadays. Before it's like there are no scammers. You know, people are so nice. Although they're still nice, but, you know, as, as most tourist areas are, you know, you have these touts, scammers. But at the same time, yeah, at least they're improving. But how many years have passed? But there was like a huge change. I can totally imagine. I have not seen Myanmar again since 2011, but at that time it was already in the brink of of opening. So you can really already imagine, like, wow, this place would totally change. Like there were very few cafes, very few hostels. In some places we visited, there was only one place to host foreigners. So it was very pristine, and, and uh, 
people were very authentic as well. I mean, I'm pretty sure they still are. Uh, they're just one of the most wonderful people I've, I've ever met, especially since as a country, they've gone through so much. You know what I mean? Like they have really seen a lot of unrest, a lot of um, uh, corruption and they were just so zen. They were so calm. They really accepted. It, it's really funny because they accepted everything um, due to their religion. I don't know if that was how you felt about it as well. Buddhism, right? Yeah, Buddhism. So probably you, me- you mentioned Zen. Zen is like a Buddhist concept. Yeah. So yeah, they were very accepting of that. And, and they were just so kind. I, I remember... Um, we met a group of five girls. They were from college and they befriended us, me and, and my friend. Um, and they asked us to eat with them, you know? So we were eating together and we couldn't really interact so much, but we tried to, to do our best to speak, you know, between Burmese and English. But in the end, they paid for our meal. And I was like, no, it, it should be our, <laughs> it should be our um, treat. But no, they said, no, 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 we'll pay for you. And it was really in like a very uh, rural area. Um, and then after that, to think that they were already very generous, they knew we were leaving on, on a boat the day after and they met us on the dock and they gave us some little gifts uh, for food, like little snacks. Wow. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah, these locals sometimes, you know, especially those uh, locals from these, let's say developing countries, sometimes they're like the nicest the most kind that I've encountered, like Myanmar. Yeah, and they're just happy to be with you. Like they're not asking for anything. <laughs> and you even try the local costume, longji. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, the, the little, it's, it's yeah. like a skirt and then the tanaka. And the tanaka, the, like the sunblock yeah. thing. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, it was a wonderful adventure, like seeing your photos. And how about Laos? What are your thoughts of, because that's one of my favorite countries to to travel to. I, I really love Laos as well. Actually, that would be a close second for me. Uh, I wish I had spent more time there. I think I only was granted 14 days in Laos, but it was very pristine as well. There's very little development. It's really it's really a place where if you want to drop out of the face of the earth. Like oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. There are no McDonald's, no, no Starbucks. Yeah, the only the only thing I didn't really actually like was the tubing because at that time the tubing was still open. You know, the... <laughs> what, what was it crazy? That, that was it crazy. You know. Did you try that? Yeah, I tried it, but it was already they already kind of like. Uh, so we're closing it, I guess. Yeah, they, they're they're still open, but the bars are gone because of yeah. the crackdown from the government. You know, that was the issue before because of drugs and too much partying. So I tried it. It was it was boring when I tried it, but I was able to. That was one of my bucket lists. That's why I still did it. Yeah, that's that's uh, the bucket lists are really interesting because you in your mind, right? Like this is what it's gonna look like, and then you actually experience. It. Like for me, for example, um, it was it was the what was that thing in in Vietnam with the boats? Is it in Saigon? No, is it in Saigon? It, I think it's in Danang, if I'm not mistaken, or Natrang, something like the, the, the round boats, right? The junction. Oh, about the- I, oh yeah, the Halong, that's in Halong Bay. The Halong Bay. Yeah. Did you go there? No, not yet. That was so also I, my plan, but I haven't been there. And so in Sapa. my mind, it was so beautiful in my mind, like those junk ships, you know, those cliffs, the water was so blue, and then you get there, and actually the boats are nothing like they are in the pictures. 
and you almost don't see these beautiful junk ships. They're, it's almost like uh, I think you have to pay so much more money to go on those. So the tourist ones are really like not beautiful. The water was not that same color. Yeah. So many tourists, and it was not really what I expected. <laughs> that that was Kopipi for me. That kind of experience, you know, the beach, Leonardo DiCaprio, that kind of uh, move yeah. the, from the movie. And I was like, I was expecting to to be in that kind of paradise. But when I got there, I was like, oh wow, it's totally different. So I can I can relate to your experience as well. Sadly, that's that's what blogging does. That's what uh, social media does to places, you know. Right. It's, and talking about bucket list, I remember writing on your blog 30 before 30. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that one? So you're you're 29 and you have these 30 things to accomplish before turning 30. Wow. <laughs> like visit seven, <laughs> visit the seven continents. <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at that recently. <laughs> <laughs> and you deleted it. <laughs> no, I'm like 39, you know, 10 years later. And I'm thinking, huh, what am I going to do? 39 things before 40. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> like a lot now. <laughs> like 29 seems doable. And, and surprisingly, when I look at the list now, I'm like, we actually did manage to do those things. Like when we were starting the blog, we were like, oh, uh, let's aim for getting interviewed on TV yeah. at the end of the trip, yeah. um, publishing an article in a magazine, uh, the Halong Bay, of course, or even like making 1 million hits on the blog, which were very, if you think of it now, it's very, it's kind of shallow, but. Right, but like, back then, but back then it was like, they're huge. I, I saw them, you know, 10 years ago. I was like, wow, it's, it's a huge task to accomplish these things. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. But yeah, now it's like, okay, that's the, those are kind yeah, of just doable. Yeah, exactly. What, which is why I probably wouldn't fall into the trap of doing lists anymore because <laughs> Because it's like, okay, I checked that. And, and, yeah. and when you think of it, for example, like one of the things was see sunset in Angkor Wat. Yeah. And what happened to us that day, uh, we were on our bikes and we, we both had flat tires. So we didn't even manage to go to the sunset point. So, wow. So there, there are things, and you only have one day in, in you know, in uh, right. Cambodia, in Siem Reap. In Siem Reap. In Siem Reap. So you only have one day so that you missed your sunset opportunity. <laughs> uh, yeah, lots, yes, lots of misadventures as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of like changing from being glam packers, you know, living the life in Manila, having coffee, Starbucks coffee every day, to sacrificing those things just to be able to be to backpack or travel six months. And then you became your term was poor packers. <laughs> And, and, you, and, you, and you were so proud of it. And, and I was like, wow. And, you know, to be honest, because of that, I exchanged my jeans to fisherman pants as well whenever I travel because of those, like, you have to kind of look like a, a typical backpacker in Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah, it really helps a lot, right? If you think of it, you're avoiding a lot of scammers. You look like a local. So people will think twice before they try to sell you something. Right. And I, I actually learned to speak some of the, um, you know, a few words that would somehow make people think that I, I spoke Thai, you know, like, of course, sawadika, you know, the usual. Same, or same. Or even the numbers, like, nung song sam si ha, you know. Oh, wow, you still remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's things you don't forget, actually. Wow. So, I, I'm really looking forward to going back to Southeast Asia. It's just, I, I mean, a decade later or even 
you know, a few years from now, I would really love, and I would love to go backpacking with my daughter as well. I also remember writing a something about your daughter even before she was born on your on your travel blog before, kind of like. I don't remember that one. Really, like I think you were pregnant at the time, and ah, okay, and okay. you wrote something, and it's kind of related to travel as well. Uh, it was an article. I don't remember exactly. So it was, uh, it was addressed <laughs> to my daughter, I guess, right? Yeah, it was addressed to your daughter, but you were you were still pregnant, I guess, during that time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's an article on your blog or just a Facebook post, but something you wrote something about uh, to your daughter when when she was still inside, kind of like a message to her. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope. I, I'm pretty sure she's gonna be a traveler. She's already a surfer, and you know, it's amazing to to be able to talk about those places with with her because actually, my daughter, um, we discovered that I was pregnant in Thailand. Which is, imagine you, the doctor doesn't speak English, so it's already an adventure in itself. And then after we moved to Indonesia, and then I gave birth to her in the Philippines. So she has a very strong attachment to the Philippines. Wow. So, so you, you, you were still traveling during that time? Yeah. Yeah, actually. It was actually Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, and then just going back to the Philippines to give oh. birth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I remember. Yeah, and when she was two months old, we already moved to France, so she's wow. already been to so many places. Yeah, right, right. And yeah. your favorite place, your favorite place in Southeast Asia was Pai. I think that was where was was that the place where where you finally discovered that you were pregnant? Was that in Pai, Thailand? Yeah, Or... we were living in Chiang Mai. In Chiang Mai, we, yeah. We were actually um, we went to Pai. We went to Pai. Oh, yeah. Pai is amazing. I love Pai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your experience? It was just a relaxing, relaxing trip because mm-hmm. that was after our class backpacking trip. We went to Cambodia and it was quite hectic because I was the one who organized the trip. So after that major trip, I was like, I want to unwind and just go to the mountains. So I went to Pai and met a lot of cool because it's like a backpacker hub as well and lots of quaint cafes where you can just relax. Yeah. And it's amidst nature, but at the same time, it's not boring because there's this backpacker vibe. So a lot of international people as well. So I just, I just love the place. There's so many things to do as well. We, well, we we drove a lot on the motorbike because there's this like um, trail that's like hairpin curves. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, what else did we do there? There's really just like so many things. Uh, there was even like a forest experience. You could go to the forest and yeah, like, you can go hiking. Survival even. <laughs> You can visit the tribes uh, or those summer uh, touristy, two touristy uh, tours. But yeah, it's, it's becoming touristy during the time when I, when I visited. But but Pai is like what you've said; it's an amazing place. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I remember you were you were dancing Americano. Was it Americano called like <laughs> the dance move all over Southeast Asia? And you were, you would film it. This was even this was even before YouTube was popular, you know. So you were you were making these videos. <laughs> A lot, a lot of people thought it was actually a very original idea, but at that time, a lot of backpackers, I don't know why a lot of backpackers were doing the same thing. They were doing this like famous dance. And so we just thought of, oh, why don't we do that everywhere we go? We'll just start filming it. It was actually my friend's idea. It was not my idea. And we just got people to join us everywhere we would go. That, that <laughs> was so cool though. Yeah, people found it so fun because it, it even though you don't speak the same language, it's like, movement dance is like you know a language in itself 
So, <laughs> it was it, it, yeah, at first I thought it was like an original music of yours as well, but then I found out that <laughs> it's actually a popular, popular song during that time. Yeah, one, one actually part of it was in Myanmar. It was very interesting because there was a movie being filmed in one of those temples in Bagan. Mm. I'm still remembering the names of these places. <laughs> so they were shooting a film and we decided to shoot our own video beside them. So we were doing like the Americana moves. So they were looking at us like, what are they doing? <laughs> and we were just like having fun. And, and some people even joined. So some Burmese people joined. So it was really, it really was really cool. Most of it was actually in Myanmar. Mm, yeah, yeah. Usually at the temples, temples of Bagan. Yeah. And probably in some, some in Yangon as well. But that was cool. That, I really like it during that time. Yeah. That was a that was an epic trip. And then after after your six month travel, you, know, you quit your job. So how was life after that? Hmm. You know. How was life after that? Yeah, I think it's been an adventure as well, because there's two things you can do, right? You do a very big trip, and then you come back, and then you can just be the same person you were. So just go back, you know, like kind of ask for the same job, go back, sit in that office and, you know, have the same friends and live in your bubble. And then there's that other side where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to live life where I don't know where I'm going next, but it's going to be fine. So <laughs> of course, there's also that big fear of where's the money, where's the next paycheck going to come from? Mm, yeah. And I guess the solution that I found to that was I decided to live in Balear in a seaside town. And I just got the opportunity from a friend. They opened a guest house in that, in that place. So I was very lucky. Um, I decided to be a full-time surfer, full-time kind of traveler, still traveling around the area. But it's, it's really not doable in a city. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't go back to your job anymore, right, after that? No backpacking trip i actually never have been in a corporate job for since then probably once in paris i did try when i was living in paris um i was working as a social media consultant and also uh doing content which we were already learning while we were blogging right mm. when you're doing blogging um, you're learning about social media, which was still new back then. You're doing content, you're doing editing and all those things. So I, I took a job in Paris for that. But I, I realized like it's still it's still a box. You're still working at your desk. And it it, it really isn't for me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you say. Like after graduation, actually the advice is you have to don't go straight to college or at least have a kind of like like some people say a gap year where you where you work or just just don't go straight to don't go straight to work after graduation kind of like just find your passion kind of thing or after high school don't go to in some countries they do this like after high school don't go straight to college so you can really know what you really want or after after graduation in college don't go straight in in working travel first and then so you can find what you really want because a lot of people nowadays, like they end up in a job that they don't really want and they end up being miserable. So in your case, did this change how you perceive 
working in a corporate world, like did this epic trip of yours, you know, quitting your job and having this adventure, did this affect your decisions nowadays in terms of work or career? Yeah, most definitely. I think it made me rethink work. Like work, as you said, how we were programmed, you know, to, to think about work was you study, you study for a very long time and then you go straight into like OJT on the job training. And then you do that career for a long, long time, like for years, and then you retire basically, right? Right. But the way that I started to think about work after that trip was what can you do that you still enjoy and you're good at doing and make money doing that? And there's no obvious solution. There's no one thing. Right. It's still an ongoing thing for me and for a lot of people mm. as well who have been travel, travel blogging. But um, social media, like my, my experience, my knowledge of social media has helped me in almost everything that I've tried to do. Starting my own business or even presenting myself um, as a consultant, it, it, it has helped me a lot. Because every product, every, you know, every organization needs a social media presence, right? That's still something of great value. Yeah, especially even, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Online marketing. Now it's a profession. I never right. imagined. <laughs> I never, at that time, we were just like, yeah, let's just write about blogging. And now uh, travel blogging is officially a profession or even social media is officially a profession. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what are the possible ways for especially for people out there who want to quit their job and you know they're not happy with their job and they want to pursue a life of, of travel so what are the possible ways of making money or sustaining the, a life of travel without being confined in a nine-to-five job yeah there's the pre-covid way right yeah like talking about let's say this will apply after this pandemic because obviously during this pandemic it's <laughs> Yeah. We, we don't know what, what what's happening, so it's hard to decide. But like, for say, let's say after this pandemic, I think it's always about first, where do you want to go? Because, like for me, I decided I wanted to go to near the beach, and I thought, okay, this is the lifestyle I want. And I had a friend who had a guest house, so I thought, okay, I could do social media for them. I could welcome guests. So looking into what I had to offer and what could be of use to people, right? Mm -hmm. But then after doing that, I moved to Europe. <laughs> and moving to Europe, it totally changed the game. Like, I don't know French that well. I had to start from scratch. So I, I lived near Paris, which was very lucky. So I had to think again, like rethink the whole the whole process. And okay, English, my, my English is still very valuable. So I was able to do content. I was able to do social media. So going back to the skills that you have. And then after that, I moved to Portugal again. My husband decided we have to move to Portugal. So going back from scratch, um, not learning the language. And that's that's when you, you're basically just kind of really trying, you know, trying to figure out what, are, what am I going to do next? So I was interested in um, cuisine. I actually started a little like restaurant operation. So, so yeah, it's... <laughs> It's all about like the place. What do you have inside of you? What do you like to do? And even like following your curiosity as much. Yeah. And I'm curious about your journey as well. Like how, how has it been for you? Yeah. In my case, like you've mentioned a while ago, there are two, two, two paths that you're going to take when you quit your job. Like 
one is never return another one is return to your previous job so the plan my, my plan was since i was the in my case i it was not that i don't like my job i just like my job i just don't find i like my job but i just don't find the time to to do this so i quit my job but at the same time i still like my job i still like the the perks and and the stability and all that stuff the, the insurance and the security so my plan was after traveling after around the world trip i would go back to either apply for another or similar job or if my company would take me again so but but then fortunately they they told me that okay you can travel okay you can you can resign but at the same time after your trip you can go back and we're gonna accept you again so that was a plan is, sorry to clarify this is your job in china no in china that, this was in china ah so it's the same teaching job you're talking about the same teaching job in china okay right the same teaching job in china so for me at the same time even if my previous company won't accept me anymore i i was confident that i had the skills already the experience and the certification so i could easily get accepted in in any schools basically so i was confident that i'm gonna still have a job or still be secure still have a, a paycheck after this trip so it wasn't a problem but then covid happened so that was the thing so that's why I'm still here in the Philippines and wasn't able to go back. But if not for COVID, I would still be there and teaching because I, I love what I'm doing and I love I love the the perks that, that comes with it. So like like what you've said, two different paths and two, two different factors in your decision. And the great thing about teaching now that I'm also realizing it um, is that you actually get two months off right right a lot of day off a lot of like even during really holidays awesome. and they're paid exactly because my my sister-in-law is actually a teacher as well um at a public school in france and i was like wow that is a very good perk because two two months out of an entire year it's almost like who, who has that all that vacation time like what other profession has that yeah. i don't i don't know any other profession two months christmas you know uh, major holidays Plus, you, sometimes you can even have annual leave, apply for annual leave. Yeah, and that's that's the reason actually why I wanted to take my master's. So during the COVID um, pandemic, I was actually working as a social media consultant for a, for a company based in France. So I was doing it remotely. So I was here in Portugal and I was doing the social media work um, in mm. France. And, and I had to stop because of COVID because the company wasn't doing very well right right that's when you know these things come up and you have to rethink like what can i do and that's when i thought of taking my master's because teachers get like two months off per year <laughs> so yeah, i'm yeah. i'm just gonna be a teacher now you know i, I want to teach literature i want to i want to um be back in the academia <laughs> yeah but that's good see see because of because of that major decision of yours you're able to find your way to doing what you really love you know you were yeah. You were into cooking. You were you were surfing. You were volunteering in hostels. So, so that what you did was was really admirable because you just you quit and you didn't come back to that cubicle because you you think it's not for you. So you had the courage to do it. So what can, what is your advice then for people who are you know a lot of people out there who are miserable in their job. And there are lots of advices as well regarding passion and all that stuff. But then there's this security issue, especially with this pand the pandemic that has happened. So it changed our perspective a bit in terms of, of jobs and all that stuff. So for this question, what's your advice for people out there who want to pursue their passion of traveling? 
by quitting their their day job? Uh, first of all, think think a lot, think many many times <laughs> before you really do it because it it's true. It's not really for everyone. If you find yourself, you know, happy being secure, having a steady job, having uh, a steady paycheck every single month, then you know, stay stay where where just do your just do your holidays just do your vacations a few times a year but if you really are 100 percent that you know travel I, I really want to live a life of travel i want to discover the world i want to see things for myself like not just from 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 books um then make a plan like do it very smartly uh don't do it like us like don't don't just like yeah i'm gonna do this and then have have nothing to go back to so save up um really make a plan and really look inside yourself like if i were to not be able to get a job later on what can i do what kind of skills do i have like a lot of people actually um have become digital nomads i mean that that is a very big thing right now because people realize that remote work is more necessary now than ever before because of the pandemic and so there's actually a lot of um people who work digitally in Portugal, for example. So a lot of them have clients in the US, have, a lot of them have clients in other countries in Europe. And why do they do that? Because the cost of living in Portugal is quite low. I'm not, I wasn't sure if you, you were aware of that. Like, for example, in France, if I were to have a meal at a restaurant, it would cost minimum. 10 euro, 10 euro. 20 euro. Yeah, 20 euros minimum. So that that is how much in the Philippines. How much is 20 euros? Probably times 60, times 60, right? 60, right? I'm, sorry. I'm so bad. So how much is that? Like a, th a thousand? 20 times 60, that's like 12, 1,200? 1,200. So in Portugal, you could have a meal at a restaurant for lunch for five euros compared to the 20 euros in France, for example. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. I, thought, I knew Eastern Europe is cheap. I didn't know Portugal as well. Portugal is is really, and I, I don't like to say cheap because a lot of people tell me, hey, don't say that it's cheap because actually a lot of people struggle here. The cost of living is very low. Unfortunately, this, the minimum wage is quite low as well. Mm. But in a sense, it as works. As a tourist, for, yeah. As a tourist, it works very well. And mm. also for people who have jobs, um, who have jobs online. Because there's actually a special visa here that if you are making uh, an income elsewhere and you live in this country, you you, you can stay here as a resident. <laughs> so that's for people who, who are interested in living in Europe, for example, <laughs> and are working remotely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I heard one of the things that you, you, you should consider when having that major decision, mm -hmm. life decision, not just traveling the world, but major life decisions, that is important to you is if you're afraid you have to ask the question what is the worst thing that can happen you know like in, in your case for example i'm going to quit my job you know i'm not going to have this sss pension but at the same time i'm following my passion this is my dream i really want to do this i know i'm, I'm going to be happy i'm going to have lots of memories so you have to ask yourself what is the worst thing that can happen so in your case what was the worst thing that happened or what was what is the worst that can happen for someone who, who would do the same? The worst thing that can happen is you can really run out of money. And running out of money get, puts you in a very precarious situation. Like, for example, like we were in Myanmar 
and there was no access to ATMs. And we were very vulnerable because where are you going to stay? How, how are you going to fund your trip? And thankfully, along the way, even as a woman, you know, there, there have been people who have been very kind to us, very, uh, we actually borrowed money from a friend, uh, an Indonesian friend while we were in Myanmar. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like you experienced it as well in Brazil, right? You ran out of money in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. And I've experienced it in Peru as well, where I cannot withdraw money and I, I ended up borrowing money from a friend. Uh, they wired money to me. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing, but... It is! It is embarrassing. And actually, the embarrassment feels like it's gonna kill you more than anything else, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's it. That's the question, like, how worse can it be? And, and a lot of people can be very scared of not having money, not knowing when the next paycheck is gonna come from. And of course, I, I wouldn't want to, to tell people it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be fine all the time or that, you know, money falls from heaven. <laughs> like what, or what that we've experienced um, that people are gonna be kind all the time. But yeah, it, it is a choice to be able to accept that um, sometimes things are gonna be uncomfortable. Right. And at the same time, you have to ask yourself, what is the best thing that can happen in following my dreams and following my passions? So in your case, what was the best thing that happened? I think the best thing that happened is that I realized what I was really capable of doing. It, it kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment that you put yourself at the mercy of fate, <laughs> at the mercy of other people even. Um, and then you're, you're fine. And then you're, your life is so enriched because you really, um, you, you really went there and you experienced everything for yourself. You didn't read about it. Nobody, it's not like somebody just told you about it. But like, like what we're sharing right now, the experience in Myanmar, the experience in Laos, you went there and did that for yourself. And that, that memory, that experience, nobody can take it away from you. You're going to be looking at that years from now and you're going to say, wow, no matter what happens to me, I had those moments of freedom. I had those moments of happiness. And you can always like bring that back to where you are, wherever you are. Yeah, and you were able to pursue your dreams and you don't have regrets. You know, regret is a, it's not a good thing. <laughs> Imagine getting old and having these regrets. I wasn't able to do that one, you know, that epic backpacking trip. So like, I think that's one of the things to consider. You don't want to live with, with regrets in, in not pursuing your dreams as well. That's something that I've learned um, later on, I think through traveling and through living in other countries, when I have to make a decision, when I'm faced with a decision, I have to do, choose between this and this, I always think what scares me the most. Right. And then I choose what scares me the most and I go for that. Wow. <laughs> and I know that, I know that um, a lot of people find that really, really like freaky. Like, why would you do that? Why would you go for the thing that scares you the most is because the thing that scares you the most is actually the thing that you really want because only the thing that you really want that really resonates with you will make you so afraid because it really matters to you right yeah yeah that reminds me of the motto kind of like motto if you will of this uh, very famous influencers or youtubers right now yes theory if you, if you know yes theory and their motto is seek discomfort that is like it's on their t-shirts, their merchandise. That's their motto. So whenever they make decisions or they make plans, they have or they purposely seek discomfort because they 
they believe that through discomfort, that's where you grow. I totally agree. I totally agree. And a lot of people, the moment that they start to be comfortable, that's when they think like, hey, I think I need to do something with my life. Because when you're too comfortable, I think you're kind of just not growing so much anymore. And I think the pandemic made a lot of us realize that like the, during the pandemic, I was actually in, in one of our homes in the north. Um, we have this place that's very close to nature. And I was feeling very comfortable. You know, we were very safe. We had food and everything. And then I thought, well, what's next? Like, is this it? I have a family. I'm happy. I have a child. I think I'm living my best life. I get to surf every single day. And then I'm like, I, I, I feel like that's not enough for me. Yeah. And that's when the discomfort starts, right? That discomfort that makes you think like, I need to do a little bit more. I need to learn more about life. I need to um, take up another hobby or take up another passion. Imagine if you didn't take that plunge and you're still in Manila right now working nine no, to five. I, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but in your case, you don't like it. So imagine yourself being in that situation right now for, for 10 years. It's, it's, um, uh, it's not a life I would like, but I saw a picture recently of a desk, like, you know, those boring desks and those boring computers yeah. and those like, we've all been there, right? Like, and then it was like an ad, like fast paced company looking for, uh, like, like fast paced company. Like that's not the life that I want, you know, like it's better to really be out there in open air, um, in the sun. And one, one of the most beautiful quotes um, that I've read, uh, let me see if I can remember this exactly. Uh, I think it was from Proust, Marcel Proust. He's a very famous writer. And he said, always keep a patch of sky above you. And I think that really resonates with me because I feel like the work that I need to do is always has to be outdoors, has to always be this patch of sky, this freedom mm -hmm. to be able to choose what I do with my day. Wow. And yeah, that, that's a priority. <laughs> right. And you've met your husband on the road as well when, when, while you were traveling, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so my husband, uh, Benoit, he's, uh, he's a surfer as well. So after a certain period of time, I realized since surfing is such a big part of my life, I might as well be with somebody who also <laughs> loves surfing. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like you probably wouldn't date somebody who likes, who doesn't like travel. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> so our listeners out there, yes. <laughs> like you wouldn't date a glam packer, right? <laughs> I, I don't mind. I don't mind uh, tra the travel style. But yeah, traveling is, is a huge part. Yeah. And uh the the irony in our situation is that when I met my husband, we were like, yeah, let's travel the world. And that ended up to be only three countries. <laughs> and then we had we already have a baby. <laughs> and so we had to move back to Europe. But it's it's really a, a wonderful adventure. I'm I'm glad that we decided to move to Europe because it's still it's still new. Everything is new. The language is new. It's like you're still traveling <laughs> every day. Yes. Wow. It has been a wonderful conversation with you, Lois, and a lot of, I've learned a lot of lessons and it's, it's really just 
so just amazing to be talking to you like i've been reading your blogs for like since 2011 and i remember when you posted that facebook post saying that okay we're gonna say goodbye to this travel blog it's not gonna be a travel blog anymore <laughs> and then a lot of your readers like wow what happened like oh we missed a travel blog but then of course you have to have to move on with our lives and to a different chapter but then like yeah thank you so much for your time thank you. Thank you for sharing as well your stories. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and before we end this podcast, do you have any uh, like final message to our listeners right now regarding quitting your job to travel full time or travel in general? Uh, I think you have to just remember that you only have a very finite time on this world. We, we never know what's going to happen to us. and really it would be really wonderful if you get to live your life the way you really want to want to live it not not dictated by any other person so so yeah if you if you really want to go for traveling you, know, you just have to go for it wow. and uh, go through the discomfort <laughs> you really have a lot of quotable quotes so we're gonna quote you on that again <laughs> Thank you. Okay, once again, Louis, thank you for being, thank you for accepting my invitation to be on the podcast and take care and I hope you have a great day. Okay, you too, thank you. Wait lang, wait lang, go